looked at the power of a connected life. What did we mean by a connected life? We meant by someone who is living daily with Jesus. And I really can't emphasize enough how important it is that we don't just engage with God in a devotional or on a Sunday or at a church meeting, but that moment by moment, day by day, we engage with him. It was so good hearing the testimonies because they just show how people are engaging with God. And here's the amazing thing, that when we do, God comes through. Uh, And this morning, I want to talk about something really quite simple. It's just about the power of asking. There is often this idea, well, God is all-powerful, God knows what I'm thinking, and so I don't kind of need to ask him for anything because he knows and he can supply if he wants to. Well, let me tell you, it doesn't work like that. Let me start um, with a scripture from James chapter, uh, James chapter 4, verse 2 to 3. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. I mean, what an invitation. But also, how many things in our lives have we not received because we're not asking? It says simply here, you don't have because you don't ask God for it. What's important to grasp here is that God is an abundant giver. Did you know that God loves to give and shower gifts on his children? He's not reluctant. Every time you ask God for something, he doesn't go, oh, no, not again. God is waiting for us to ask so that he can give. And where we have a finite supply of resources, God has an endless supply. I mean, it blows my mind to think that if you have read through the Old Testament and you uh, heard about the Israelites who God took out of Egypt and you had about one and a half million people and for 40 years, this one and a half million people, they multiplied and became more, walked through the desert and every single day, God caused the manna to appear. Just think about that. What if you had to provide bread for one and a half million people every single day? Would that freak you out? It would me. And yet God does it so simply every single day. Took them through for 40 years. He is an abundant giver. Ephesians 3 verse 20 to 21. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power to work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Infinitely more. Do you get that? Infinitely. Not finitely, not limited, not reluctantly, but infinitely. Without end, God can supply more than not just that you ask, but that you can think of. I love it. I absolutely love the fact that God can do that. I want to talk about two people in the Old Testament. The first is Hezekiah. He was a king. And it just demonstrates God's willingness and generosity. And we read in 2 Kings 20 verse 1, about that time Hezekiah became deathly ill. 
And the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to visit him. So Hezekiah's ill, the prophet Amos is the pastoral care team, right? And he gave the king this message. This is what the Lord says. Set your affairs in order. You are going to die. You will not recover from this illness. What an amazing pastoral care team. (laughs) Went there and he says, this is what the Lord says. The Lord says, you're going to die now. I wonder how we would respond. How would you respond if you received that word from the Lord? Would you resign yourself to the decision? Well, let me tell you, Hezekiah did not. It says in verse 2, when Hezekiah heard this, he turned his face to the wall. He was lying in bed. He was ill. He turned his face to the wall and he prayed to the Lord. Remember, O Lord, how I have always been faithful to you. I have served you with single-mindedness, always doing what pleases you. And then he broke down and wept bitterly. Verse 4 says this, before Isaiah had left the middle courtyard. So Isaiah, um, yeah, Isaiah had went to visit him and before he had even left the building, This message came to him from the Lord. Go back to Hezekiah, the leader of my people. Tell him, this is what the Lord, the God of your ancestor David says. I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will heal you. And three days from now, you will get out of the bed and go to the temple of the Lord. I will add 15 years to your life and I will rescue you and this city from the king of Assyria. I will defend this city for my own honor and for the sake of my servant David. Wow. God says you're going to die. He says, hey God, I don't want to die. God says, okay, you're not going to die. Here's 15 more years. I mean, what a generous God. Now, here's the thing that will do your noodle in. He changed God's mind. His asking changed God's mind. That kind of kills our theology a bit because we think God knows everything. God never changes. Well, let me tell you, this clearly shows that God was going to do one thing, but because of the intercession of Hezekiah, he did something else. Your prayer, your asking of God can change something that God says, I'm going to do. You see that time and time again through Scripture. You have a power in asking that nobody else has. And what I love is, I mean, Isaiah said this to him, left. He hadn't even got out the door when God says, go back and tell him, it's okay, you're going to live. God didn't wait 48 hours. God didn't wait a week. He told him right away. The other story is a story of a man whose book, he was spoken about a lot many years ago, but we don't hear about it anymore. And it's the story of a man called Jabez. You remember the books, The Prayer of Jabez and so on? Let me talk to you about Jabez. 1 Chronicles 4, 9 to 10. There was a man named Jabez who was more honorable than any of his brothers. His mother named him Jabez because his birth had been so painful. Imagine that. 
You have a baby, it hurts, and say, your name is going to be pain. I mean, they gave descriptive names in the Old Testament. This is pain. Oh, pain, come and meet, glory is left. He was the one who prayed to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and expand my territory. Please be with me in all that I do and keep me from all trouble and pain. And God granted him his request. Wow. I mean, look at that. Can you imagine saying, Lord, I've had enough. I was born in pain. I've got trouble all around me. There's pain all around me. It's all hard work. I don't want any more trouble and pain. And the voice from heaven says, yeah, that's fine. Done. Wow. God granted his request. Had Hezekiah and Jabez not asked, they would not have received. Think about that for a minute. Hezekiah would have died 15 years sooner. Jabez, he wouldn't have his territory expanded and he would have had the same pain and trouble and suffering that everybody else had. Now here's the other thing. Notice how personal these requests are. Hezekiah saying, hey, I don't want to die. Jabez saying, I don't want to suffer. I want to encourage you to read through the Psalms and see how many times people make a request of God and by the end of the Psalm, God has granted it. The Bible teaches us to ask. We know this popular scripture, Matthew 7, verse 7 to 11. Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Now, it goes both ways. If you don't ask, if you don't seek, and if you don't knock, then you're not going to receive. And notice how it's kind of keep on asking. Keep on asking, keep on asking. Those of you with children over this period of time, how many times have the kids said, can I have this for Christmas? Can I have that for Christmas? Can I have this for Christmas? Can I have that for Christmas? And man, they have long lists. They know how to keep on asking. Man, if we say no to something to the children, man, it's like a, a machine gun of, please, can I, can I, please, can I have this? Can I, uh, will you change your mind? What would make you change your mind? And blah, 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 and it goes on. It's an amazing example of keep on asking. Persistence is a key theme in the Bible. Jesus gave two parables about how we are to ask. One was about the unmerciful judge. This judge had given a, a ruling that this woman wasn't happy with and she went back again and again and again and again and the judge said, I don't fear God, but this woman is really winding me up so I'm just going to give her justice because I can't deal with all of this hassle. Persistence. 
And then you've got the parable of the unexpected guest where um, it's night time and this guy has um, a friend come to visit. He's got no food to put before him, so he knocks on his neighbor's door. Can you lend me a loaf of bread? The neighbor says, no, I can't. I'm in bed. It's night time. Go away. But he keeps on knocking. And it says the neighbor gives him the food, not because he is his friend, but because he is so persistent. Let me ask you, are you persistent? You know, sometimes we say, God, I really need you to do this. And we ask once or twice or we ask for a week. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking and knocking and knocking and knocking. Say, Lord, we need this. Now, motives are important. James, uh, the next bit of James, where he says, you don't have because you don't ask. Verse 3 says, and even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. Now, let me tell you, that does not mean you can't ask God for stuff that will give you pleasure. But it means that your motive needs to be right in terms of the whole direction of your life. God is not going to answer requests for people who just want to line their own pockets and have it easy. But he will answer requests for people who are looking to help and to pour things into the lives of other people. We've got to be really careful about our motives, but I don't want you to think that you can't ask God for a car or for a house. or for God supplies those things. Don't know if I can share. Can I share that testimony of Janice, Anne? You know, Janice Cooper, she's a... Janice Cooper? What did I say Janice Cooper for? Janice Taylor. She could be, actually. She's your daughter, really. But Janice Taylor um, gets, lives on support as a missionary with OM. And she received a call from their kind of finance office saying, you're £2,000 short on what you need to live on next year, you need to get that sorted. And she said, you know what? God has seen me through this amount of time, so I'm gonna trust him to do that. And the very next day, she gets a gift, I can't remember of how much. Yeah, she she got a gift through about 1,600 pounds. Without saying anything to anybody or trusting in God. You see, we ask God. It's one of the things that is a real danger for us is that when we ask, we ask God, but we look to people. You know, I've spent quite a portion of my life living by faith financially, not since I've been pastor of the church, but before that, for about 20 years, I lived um, financially on faith. What does that mean? It meant I had no income and I needed God to supply but it's very easy in that context when you're, if you're preaching in front of a group of people to say, I'm trusting the Lord that he will supply the car that I now need and everybody's hearing it. And although we're talking to God, we're trusting in people. The real test of trusting God is to tell God and nobody else. In fact, can I tell you, If you have a decision to make, if you need an answer about something, the less people you tell, the more confident you will be in what God says when the answer comes because you know it's from God. 
I remember being in meetings and asking God about going into full-time ministry and saying, what do I do? And then in the middle of the meeting, somebody says, oh, I see you over in this nation and doing this and doing that. I said, well, that was quick. It's about asking God. That's where the real trust comes. Ask God. Don't broadcast it. Ask God. He can do it. Did you know that because God knows all of his children, that he can tell any of them to do anything at any time? Now, sometimes God will say no. I'm afraid that is par for the course. Believe it or not, if you're a parent, sometimes you have to say no. In 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7 to 10, we see such a no from God. But even in God's no, he supply what is needed for the no. This is what it says. This is the Apostle Paul talking. He says, even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan, to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. I don't know what that was. I'm not going to speculate, but whatever it was, it wasn't good. Then he says this, three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now God said no, but he says my grace is enough. It's enough. And see, it's important to remember that God knows what is good for us. In the same way we know it for our children. God will not always say yes, because sometimes we don't realise the consequences of what we're asking. Saying yes every single time produces a spoilt child. Whether we like it or not, if you always say yes to what a child wants, you will produce a spoilt child. Secondly, sometimes we ask for things that we don't realise, but they will harm us. Not just physically, but mentally or spiritually. You know, I can tell you stories of people who have wanted to marry a particular person. They've been so persistent and they've jumped into it only for it to go badly wrong down the line when it was not what God wanted for them in the first place. If God says no, then we need to trust him in that no. Let me, let me tell you something really important. God will never do anything spiteful to you. God will never do anything to you that is nasty, uh, that is intentionally harmful or hurtful. All of his decisions are for your best and for your good. We may not think it at the time. There was a time when my kids thought we were being really nasty because we would not let them eat a whole kilogram of Nutella. They could not see the problem. God says no sometimes. I want to encourage you this morning to ask.
Ask God. Ask about what? Well, ask about everything and anything. Over time, we will discern what to ask for. You know, my children, as they've grown up, they are learning more and more what things to come and ask for and what things not for. Because the relationship is beginning to establish where our values lie in terms of what we do and how we live. When you ask, wait and look for the answer. Sometimes we can be a bit, we ask God, but we never look for the answer. You know, it's a good thing to pray about things and then pick up your Bible and go through your daily Bible reading plan because very often that's how God speaks. I would say to you that 90% of the time when God speaks to me, it is through the reading of the Bible. It's probably 99% of the time, actually. If I did not read my Bible, I would miss 99% of what God wants to communicate to me. Now, God may speak through your circumstances or through other people, but in those contexts, it's really important to verify it with Scripture. Ask God to confirm it. If somebody else says something, I will always look for it to be confirmed by two or three people. And what do I mean by that? I won't tell anyone, but I will expect God to bring the same thing up um, a number of times. Let me give you an example. So let's say you're saying to God, should I go on the missionary trip to China? You don't tell anybody. And somebody comes in the meeting and says, I don't know what this means, but every time I'm praying for you, I get this image of China. You go, there's one. Yeah. Then you go shopping somewhere and there are the big words made in China. Well, that's probably everywhere, but hey. And then you go somewhere else and you get invited round to the house of a Chinese family and think, wow, God is saying something to me here. We trust God and we follow that through. Let me finish with a final story. Do you remember Mary and Martha in the Bible? In Luke 10, we read this. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? How many times have we heard that one? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, Dear, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. Notice how Martha was distracted with serving. That Greek word serving is the word that we get our word deacon from. It was ministry. She was involved in serving and her sister was sitting doing nada. Mary's not helping. Martha's becoming angry. But what I want you to notice in the story is this whole process of asking. Notice something else. Jesus does not offer any advice to Martha. Jesus saw Mary, he saw Martha, and he said nothing. He sees what she's doing, and he offers no advice 
in this situation, Jesus only responds when Martha asks. Have you thought about that? You know, there are hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands, of Christian ministries across the globe, but I wonder how many of them are just a good idea rather than asking Jesus whether they should be right. And we can do the same thing. We can say, well, I would have my devotional time if I wasn't so busy. I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm doing this. And Jesus said, but Mary has made that effort and dropped all the other ministry and that's more important than anything. Let me tell you, the most important thing in your daily life is your time with Jesus. If you do not have a daily devotional time with Jesus, you are killing yourself spiritually. It's the most important thing that I do in my life. I get up in the morning and I spend time with God. I read my Bible, I pray, I pause, I listen, I meditate, I memorize scripture. I do those things every single day. There are some days I miss, but 90 what, 9% of the time I'm doing that stuff. It's important to ask. Now, Martha doesn't get the response she wanted. She wanted Jesus to say, yeah, Mary, get your butt moving and help in the kitchen. He says, no. What Mary has chosen is better to sit and listen to me than all of this other ministry stuff. There is a real important thing to recognize that if we do not ask, we will never know. It amazes me how sometimes we will go through thinking, you know, the number of Christians I've met whose philosophy works like this. You know, are you in the will of God? Well, I must be because I'm where I am today, otherwise God would have directed me another way. That's fatalism. Fatalism says whatever will be, will be. That is not how we live. We live by asking God, why do I live here in West Brom and lead this church? Because God clearly called me here. I didn't choose to move here. It was something that God called me to. Why am I married to Jocelyn? Because I prayed about it and God clearly said, this is the woman I want you to marry. Let me tell you, these are important things to do, to ask God. Have you noticed in the Gospels that the only people who received miracles were those who asked for them? There is one exception and that exception was because the guy was dead. And it's very difficult to ask God when you're already dead. But everybody else, they asked. Some of them even shouted it. The blind man, when Jesus was walking past, said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy. And everybody says, shut up. So what does he do? He says, Jesus, son of David. He shouts even more. And Jesus stops. He says, what do you want? I want to see. Jesus says, there you go, have your sight. We have not because we ask not. If there's one thing you go away from this morning, the one thing I want you to understand is to ask. Ask. Create a list. Ask. If you're not sure what about, ask. Whatever it is, ask. Jesus always responds. Not sure whether you've got the right boyfriend or girlfriend? Ask. Not sure whether you should get married or stay single? Ask. Need a job? 
ask. Need wisdom? Ask. Need help? Ask. Whatever it is, ask. I've already said at this time of year, children have a long list of asks. This is what I want. This is what I want. What's on your asking list with the Lord? Maybe create yourself a little note or a book or something and write in your prayer request and keep asking. And when the answer comes, you can go back and say, here's the date I started to ask. Here's the answer. I can put the date in. And you are building yourself something called an Ebenezer, which is a rock of remembrance, where you can go back and say, well, God is going to do this because he's done this, 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 and this. The thing that gives me confidence in asking God is knowing that he has done it in times past. Let me finish with the scripture I started. Now all glory to God, who was able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than what we might ask or think. Let's pray. Father, we thank you because you are good and what you do is good. And Father, I want to pray that you would give us the confidence to ask you. I pray you'd give us the faith to stop and to listen and to watch for your response. Father, I pray that we would uh, be those who would be persistent day in, day out, asking and asking, saying, Lord, would you? Help us, Father, to be a people who takes all the resources of heaven and pulls them down to earth by asking you. And so, Lord, we thank you. Lord, we bless you. And we ask that you would pour out your spirit upon us in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.